0: You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. How's it going, losers? Otherwise known as South Carolina Gamecocks. The worst insult. I've used it before, but it's such an insult that I had to use it again because it is oh so appropriate this week. Congratulations to Clemson Tiger Nation for defeating the Gamecocks. All is right in the universe once again. So, you have, in fact, entered the Bad Christian Podcast. My name is Matt. Thank you for coming. Again, I know we got a ton of new people. You guys are welcome here. This is a podcast where we hang out, we talk, we try to get real, and we try to just, you know, make this a friendly uh, place. And we appreciate so many people listening and supporting and joining in on our conversation. Or maybe it's eavesdropping that y'all are doing, but we welcome it. Uh, Today's episode is special. We have Jennifer Knapp on. She's a great guest. Also, Toby is out. He's not here today. We have a guest host, Logan. He's our buddy. He was on a couple of other episodes. He's taking Toby's place today. Uh, We'll explain that in the episode a little bit more. Uh, The biggest news in the bad Christian world today is we just announced and launched a crowdfunding campaign for our new musical artist, Abandoned Kansas. We will also talk about that a little bit in the episode, but go to badchristian.com right now. You can check out what they're about and find their crowdfunding campaign. Now, this is a big deal because we really need your support. They need your support. Uh, We promised them they'd have a bunch of new fans if they did business with us. So now now you owe them. You owe us, and we owe them. So... You know, start becoming a fan of Abandoned Kansas. It'll be good for everybody. But that, that's how life works, you know. So you, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like, I, I give you a free uh, podcast uh, once a week, and then you buy everything I ever tell you to buy. You know what I mean? So trust me, That's that's just how it works. Also, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, not just downloading each episode. Remember to tell everybody, and leave us a rating and a review on
1: iTunes. Three. Two, one, it's the Bad Christian
0: All right, this is where Toby's supposed to say, welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast, everybody. Except for Toby is not here. Sorry for the bad news, everybody. But Toby is, Joey, knock it off. Yo. All right, so yes, we are, welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. You're here with Matt, Joey, and Logan. Say what's up, Logan.
2: What's up, everybody? <laughs> Logan
1: Kale. So uh, for you old school listeners, Logan was actually on episode two. He's a old roadie of Emory's, a good friend of all of ours. And I know you're wondering what happened to Toby. We didn't kick him out of the Bad Christian Podcast. Um, his wife had surgery. Uh, this, let's see, today is Wednesday. She had surgery Monday and, uh, wait, Two days should ago. I say those days? Yeah, that's fine. Two days okay. ago, uh, Toby's
0: wife went into surgery. She has breast cancer and is having a double, mastect- had a double mastectomy. And, yep. uh, that was on, you know, that was the, a week ago today as this comes out. So we're recording this episode here and we've, we've got Logan joining us instead of Toby. So Logan, do you think you can fill Toby's shoes here? No sweat. Logan, what is it that you believe that Toby brings to the show that you're going to try to feel?
2: Toby is overall loud and uh, (laughs) fairly obnoxious (laughs) and will stomp on somebody else's story or joke before they have a chance to deliver the punchline, making it his joke. (laughs) So, yes, I can do that.
1: So you're going to be mean to me, Logan?
2: I could be. I'm not ruling it
0: out. Not ruling it out. So, do you, but do you think that qual those qualities of Toby add to the show? Because you're a fan of our show, aren't you?
2: Oh yeah, Toby's been hilarious on the show.
0: <laughs> is he? Is he your favorite person on the show?
2: I mean, I think that you guys <laughs> are all favorites in certain aspects.
0: Good, good. I appreciate that. So, Joey, you're there in Charleston with Toby. So let's talk about this for a minute. So, what is what's going on? Like, uh, I talked to you just a on the phone yesterday when you were at the hospital. So just tell us what's going on over there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I actually, when I was with Toby at the hospital Monday, I kind of know how it is, uh, to be, well, yeah. I mean, just being the central person, that everyone's trying to get information from, which is is it's Toby right now. People texting him, people calling him, people constantly asking, how's Jessica? You know, what's going on? Can you give me updates? That can get kind of overwhelming. So I think Toby and I, we have a relationship to where he knows I've got his back. He knows I'm there for him. Like, I just texted him a little while ago. He hasn't responded. That's fine. Like, I just want him to know that, Thinking about him and um, you know, Priscilla went over to their house a couple of nights ago and and helped Jessica's mom put the kids to bed and all that stuff. But when I was with Toby Monday, I mean, you know, it was just it was normal hangout. We we laughed a lot, cracked on each other and stuff. But you could tell. I mean, his mind was and, and he did articulate. I mean, it's it's a big deal. I mean, as we were talking, his wife was two hours into surgery where they were you know removing her breasts and. Uh, you know, as a husband, you're just sitting there like, I can't believe, you know, that's happening. Like, No, that's, that, that's
0: that, insane. I'm yeah. surprised, and I saw a few emails from Toby and stuff. I didn't talk to him on the phone yet, but uh, I saw a few emails from him. He seems to be operating pretty normally, but typically anything like this is pretty crazy to Toby. He gets emotional and bent out of shape about stuff that is absolutely nothing. Right. So now that this is actually something pretty major, I was just curious how he is responding. You think he's just taking <laughs> yeah. it really seriously as the... Uh, male or as the the you know head of the household there for his family and everything.
1: Yeah, I, I, as 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 well as I know Toby, I I guess um I I think he was giving me the the real deal. I mean he was opening up and telling me just how weird it was the thought of what's going on and um you know that he was struggling with some anxiety and everything. But like I said, it was a pretty normal hangout time. So. It wasn't like he was shut off or, you know, wanting to talk out feelings or (laughs) anything like that, so... Well, that is really good.
0: Uh, the only thing I really wish is that Toby was here right now because so he could make a joke and lighten up this really somber, bad news stuff. So yeah. Logan, hit yeah, it. say something it, mean or funny, <laughs> real please. Well,
1: none of none of us can really actually say a joke and not come across as an asshole. Well, Toby, <laughs> Toby can do it, but Logan, I'll give you a oh, shot here. No, say Toby something mean.
2: absolutely can do it. Like remember when you guys were talking, you were worried about your wife not getting yeah. back to you, yeah. and Toby <laughs> was joking that she was probably kidnapped or murdered? <laughs> I can't
1: I can't do that. Have you ever listened to the podcast, Logan, and kind of felt like you just wish you could chime in and say something? All the time. Yeah. I think that's what makes people really like our podcast, I think, is because
0: we're so bumbling and stupid sometimes, or say weird stuff, is I think people just are sitting there thinking, I oh, wish I could correct them or call yeah. them out on that. I think that's one of the things we've cultivated well, that I'm proud no, of. No,
2: for me, it's the, I want to comment on the Christian stuff, honestly. I think like, I'll give you a perfect example, and I know that Matt has. I've brought this up with Matt several times ever since it happened. But this whole ridiculous thing about you guys not being able to ride in a car with a woman that isn't your <laughs> wife because you're worried that's going to make you cheat—that is insane to me. So that's one of the most.
0: <laughs> uh, that's one of the most outlandish things that you've heard us say so far. Is that it
2: is the most outlandish thing I've probably ever heard oh, i've tried well, to Logan, explain what, it before
1: so what do you what do you say to the fact that a lot of husbands have put themselves in a compromising position and cheated on their wives
2: that's not a compromising position i mean like the example that you used <laughs> that day was a youth pastor who was taking some girl home and he ended up having sex with her well that's because the youth pastor wanted to have sex with her made a little dirty joke She didn't freak out, so then he went a little bit further. I mean, he was testing the waters, he had intent. If you don't have intent, it's not gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely. So, I mean,
0: Logan doesn't think it's a compromising position. That's a little right. bit of harsh language to say for Joey to be in an automobile with a female. That's, no. I mean, that's not inherently a compromising position is what he's I saying. I mean, if,
2: if you guys are in the automobile by yourself and you're talking about what each other's underpants looks like, <laughs> that is a compromising position. But if you're making small talk, a name, small talk, things about the weather or whatever. I mean, it's well, no Logan, you're just big
0: on responsibility. You're big on the personal responsibility there. People do Absolutely. what they want to do, and then I mean, there's people. If people do something bad or wrong, that's just on them. So that's on it's them. It's not yeah. like so. You're just saying. I mean, and then it comes across like what Joey or I would be saying is, "Hey, I'm, you put me in a car with a girl. I'm going to cheat. So I just had to stay out of that car.
2: Or I might cheat. I remember back in the day, back when I was touring with you guys, we. I was watching some horror movie on a day off, and you guys came back. and Toby immediately turned it off because at that point there was a little bit of nudity, and he said, "Seeing those boobs make me might make (laughs) me want to cheat on my wife." (laughs) And I was like, you know, if you if seeing someone else's boobs would decide, you know, that's when you decide to cheat on your wife. I feel like you just don't have that strong of a relationship. So, do
0: you not believe Toby there? that that is true, or do you think, yeah, Toby is super close to cheating on his wife because he might see a boob? I Which don't do you believe
2: think? that. No, I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah, I Toby think a little t- bit of
1: joking there. Yeah.
2: Honestly. Oh, that, well, I, that argument I, got heated. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, it got, I mean, that argument went on for hours, way past when the movie was over.
1: Well, I, uh, I definitely felt like for the very first time I listened to an actual, you know, even though it was a special episode, it was still an episode that, You know that we put out, and then Metal Sucks put out part one on on theirs, and so I was a a genuine listener. Oh, that's cool. There were times when I definitely was like, "Oh, I wish I could just say something." And uh, so let let me say this first of all. I think it's actually something that we should probably aim. So if if you don't
0: haven't heard the episode Joey's talking about last week, we released part two of an episode we did with Metal Sucks. So go to MetalSucks.net. And listen to their interview with Toby and I. We went to their studio and recorded an episode. And then they gave us half of it to release. And they wanted to release half of it in a co-promotional kind of thing. So go listen to both parts of that. And we aired part two of that on... Uh, our show, but we were in Austin, Texas, and we actually got to go into a real radio studio with nice microphones and the console and everything there, just like you see on TV, which is not what we're used to. So the environment was a little bit different, and also we didn't have Joey. Just to let you know, any format, any nothing, we didn't have anything planned. We just got in a room with two people we yeah, never met, that's awesome, and just did that. So I haven't even listened to it myself. I just yeah. put it up there. I sat there live, talked, no editing, and so I was kind of nervous that I probably said some stupid stuff or missed points and all that kind of stuff too so i hope that it was okay i was a little insecure about it so i didn't even want to listen back to it i just put it online and let people say what they want to say well i
1: definitely uh i definitely thought it was very good i think we should probably do it regularly like at least four times a year just because i think the conversation was great logan i i want you to either type some notes here or jot some stuff down because i'm going to go down the line and i want to hear your thoughts on this stuff too but i just have some quick notes first of all um godless i think was talking about universal empathy and how that should do the trick you know for people just to be able to be kind to one another but for universal empathy to take place you'd have to kill people to get it because there's some people that are going to be bad and do bad things to bad people and so for you to really be empathetic towards some people that are victims you'd have to act out in violence would that be okay um matt I was surprised and maybe you would just disagree, but I was surprised that you did not go into, um, as far as slavery is concerned to me, it's kind of similar to the whole polygamy thing with David. So God is working through fallen humanity. It's, it's an evil world where people are doing evil things and he's, he's got, he's got to work through it somehow. So for example, marriage is supposed to just be one dude, one girl. And, uh, you know, with David, God still works through David, even though he has a bunch of wives. I feel that even though slavery was a lot different back then than what we saw in the, you know, 1800s here in America, it still was something that God had to work through with how culture was. And I think that uh, one thing that you failed to point out, Matt, is that biblical teaching is actually what motivated slavery's Demise. Yeah, I mean,
0: here is what I don't understand about that. So everybody wants to talk about slavery thing. I don't even care about that or need to make that point. I guess everybody wants to make all these apologies about it and say what slavery is or wasn't. I don't really care about that. I was just, you know, I have, I don't actually have the need to really go through and make all the apologetic arguments or know them. I don't even know, but I understand much more on his side and what I imagine Logan wants to say, which is, why does God have to work through that? Why don't He just not have it? Not have what? Slavery. If he's all-powerful and he's loving, just don't have slavery in the world.
1: So then all well, that's then his you point, have to that's the, That's his
0: point of view. I mean, there's no point in explaining to him. But, you know, God, I mean, he doesn't care about that. He just says, God says he's all-powerful and he allows slavery. I don't need to think much farther than that. So I don't need to do an hour background and tell, tell him how we interpret this and all the stuff about, you know, free will I, did, I don't need to I don't. I just had no place in the discussion I didn't even want to talk about that stuff on the show to yep. tell you the truth so of course there's a million points I could have said to an atheist everybody knows those but all, yeah. all I want to do is hang out with the guy and talk to him
1: yeah but I just think the discussion is really good though And but, I think, but here's, here's I think what I understand learned what, if I would have,
0: I, what if I would have got him with 20 more zingers what would, what would that have gotten us if I, what if I just shut him down? Just shut down, busted. Cold as ice, busted. Bible says this, busted. And then now, what the whatever everybody is, do, cheer.
1: No, Matt. The thing is, is is you actually did kind of argue against him. You know, I mean, so there was some back and forth. All I'm saying is, I thought that that yeah, I was did. A, a point that. And I, here's here's what I really liked. What you asked him, and I I really liked those guys a lot. I thought it was. I just I thought everybody was very likable. The conversation was great. I really thought it was super interesting that you asked them if they would worship any god. Like is there any type of god that you could describe that you would worship and basically the answer is no. And I just thought that was really Yeah, I
0: get that a lot. I find that with a lot of people I ask that
1: question often. But How about you, Logan? If is there any god that you would worship?
2: Uh probably not or I mean maybe if you consider science a god.
3: Yeah.
0: But it's you wouldn't worship pretty- it, and that's what I asked him. You wouldn't worship it, as in bow down to it, serve it. No, absolutely not. It. I mean, not you wouldn't do that afraid. to anything.
2: No, it's just not.
0: How about not an anything. alien that comes down and says, "I, we do all. We're the. We've planted the human race in the first place. We created this and that in your whole world, you know. But now you worship us, and we will take care of you. I, no. Bow down to me.
2: Absolutely, not. you would still
0: say that was wrong.
2: I well, I wouldn't worship it, but you know, I guess I'd probably be like, well, shit. I guess this is our leader. <laughs>
0: you would respect him, I'm, I'm so there might be a, him, yeah. a god that you would you would respect the dude, but not worship him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a good point. I think that's where people come down most of the time, and so when that happens, that's what that's all my whole point. The whole thing is, I don't need to sit here and talk to you about what is technically correct in this way and this way or this scripture that's all bullcrap i mean scripture is not bullcrap but the whole premise of the i don't want to argue with somebody about stuff like that now he was i feel like he was trying to make his argumentative points which i'm not interested in anyway so i don't think anything has to do with arguments like if you make a good argument you get this out of it or It really busts well, them sure. or whatever. that's I mean, all because he's not going to worship something else he doesn't want to I I enjoyed talking to him and I th- I think I just I like it. I like when people have strong opinions and are fun to talk to. It doesn't bother me, but like I said, I would have been happier just to talk more casually than get argumentative. I just don't it really I don't really enjoy that because it seems like more useless. I would like to talk more about his upbringing and things that happened to him and Chuck mentioned on that that he had some really crazy stuff go down in his family. I would have liked to spend more time on that. That's yeah. way more telling and way more a bridge to getting to real stuff that can actually I think Make people change their mind or see what it is that Jesus does for me is when it when you're talking about me, not argumentative points. That doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. So, what did you feel like listening to it, Joey? Just this, just frustrated that you couldn't pipe up. Do you think we did a good job? Like, did it feel like our podcast to you?
1: In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I mean, obviously, we don't do a whole lot of those sorts of uh, you know discussions. That's why. That's why I disagree with you as far as your motivation not to go into all that. I actually think it's great dialogue. And, and A, because it shows atheists and Christians, hey, you can actually talk to each other, not get pissed off, and maybe, maybe not learn and acquire a different set of beliefs, but at least learn more about why someone else believes how they believe and i just so i it was just great so and you like very you like that
0: getting into those apologetics and argumentative things Yes. No, yeah. I
1: would not have liked it if you guys got super pissed off at each other because I'd be like, wow, that's ridiculous. I mean, why can't they just talk about it? But no, I yeah. I think it was very exemplary of how people should be able to converse. But yeah, yeah, I think I mean, you would
0: you know, probably rather do that more on this show, and I kind of don't want to do that more on the show, even though I feel like we could do an okay job of it. I feel like it's just you getting the same stuff over and over, and it just yeah. it's too informational but, kind of thing for me. Logan? Go ahead. What do you think?
2: Um, I will admit that I tuned out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what other takeaways did you I mean, do, do you think some of the stuff's horse shit that Joey's saying like, well you just got to understand the Bible more and you understand why God allowed slavery and commanded people to kill people. What's your take on
2: well, that? Well, I do I do kind of think that argument's bullshit because I think that you know, you can take any book and take what you want from it to to prove your point. I and I do believe that's the could one of the problems with Christianity is there's a lot of stuff that just conflicts in the Bible, and uh, you can say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe this, this, and this, but then you disregard other things. And I mean, like he brought up the the uh, the two different fibers. Technically, you know, your Bible says you can't do that, but you guys break that all the time. And I've heard. You guys especially say that there's no such thing as a worse sin than another. Well, then that means that you guys are terribly sinning all the time. But people don't really follow that one. But they say, you know, I believe the Bible. I follow the Bible. Well, you don't.
0: Yeah. So to you, you just hear everything we're going to say is just some workaround.
2: It's just you can yeah you pick, you pick the parts of the Bible that you like, and that are pretty, and that's what you go with.
0: Well, I mean, I'd have to say on some level I agree with Logan when I hear Christians speak. A lot of times I think they haven't thought it. They don't I don't I mean I I, I do believe they're believers and regenerated and, and that stuff, but I do think most people most Christians take the point of view of I'm going to only start with, you know, the best answer I can get. To to combat somebody else, as opposed to really think through this. Because whatever it is that we think about the Bible now is is different than we did in the past, and is different than we will in the future as Christianity as a whole. Unfortunately, I mean, I know every time period we'd like to believe they have it right, but we just don't. I mean, there's stuff right now that we think everybody thinks is okay that in a thousand years later we'll look at it and say, yeah, that wasn't good. So I don't I don't know what those things are. Is the problem? So we should be very careful and not just jump to the what's the strongest opinion of everybody on Team Christianity to fight these liberal atheists. Okay, well, let's. Um, I appreciate the thoughts on that. And I, I do, I'm jealous of you, Joey. I would like to get to hear an episode of our podcast that I didn't. Uh, it wasn't involved in. So hopefully something terrible will happen to my wife sometime, and then I'll get to.
2: Since I saw you guys last, I swear the smile of the face has not left my head. Well, that's it good. Is just such a catchy song. I'm so glad I got to see it live again.
0: So you thought that that song was good live? You like it live and recorded?
2: Oh yeah, I love it.
0: And you thought we did we played it pretty good live?
2: Absolutely. I think that uh I think I don't remember his name, but your your bass player did a great job. He was Very lively and a lot of fun.
0: I appreciate that. That is Jeremy Spring is the name of that guy. He's got glasses, if you saw us on the last tour. And he was taking the place of Devin and Andy, who plays bass for us a lot. Uh, He was out on the last two legs of a tour with us. And he has a band called Abandoned Kansas. So I'm going to take a minute and talk about that. Abandoned Kansas is the newest band on BC Music. It's the newest thing we're releasing. And all this is we're dumping all this information on you just surprised, like out of the blue, like Beyonce style almost. So Jeremy Spring and his band, Abandoned Kansas, has a crowdfunding thing that we've just launched today. So it just came out today as far as being involved on there. So you go to our website and click the banner at the top and go to it or go to the campaigns or go to Indiegogo and search Abandoned Kansas and you will find their crowdfunding platform. So I'll give you a quick rundown of the story. They were an independent band from Kansas, obviously, and they toured around and had a, a ton of success. They were touring 250 days a year and they sold 5,000 records on their own. And um, they, they got noticed essentially by some labels then and started getting approached. I mean, they wound up signing to Goatee Records, who's Toby Max label, uh, Christian label, signed them and thought they could make them into a big hit radio band. And so Jeremy and them thought that'd be a good idea and they went and did that and it did not work out well. They didn't enjoy being on the label. They couldn't agree on stuff the label wanted them to change their music and do it sell out in their own words they admit to kind of trying to sell out just to make radio hits and make it big and stuff like that and it totally backfired hung their band up for a long time changed their music made them feel bad about it and they wound up selling no more records on the label than they did uh when they were an independent band really no more at all and they, the label never even got them in stores or anything so it was a pretty rough situation and they made it through they continued to tour they do living room tours they're a really cool band and so now uh they're back to being independent and going to do what they want to do and and it's the music that they're doing right now is really awesome and it's like way cool because this comes from this semi-jaded darker point of view which it makes music that i really like a lot so it reminds me of they kind of remind me of they're going in the direction of brand new like they did on their second record like Deja and Tandu. That's kind of the vibe oh, cool. that I get from it and the what I mean by darker kind of a vibe. So I hope everybody will like it. We're really proud to to release it and help them design their career as an indie, you know, band who owns their own music and can go out there and and uh, you know, have a good run at it. So I want everybody to go check out Abandoned Kansas, go to com, and you'll be able to find it there.
1: So wait
0: all right, well, so with Toby gone today, um, that gives me more talking time, you see. So I'm going to go ahead and use that time to do a science segment because I've been bombarded with questions about the movie Interstellar. So when you have a movie that's that big and that important and deals with science, and as we all know, I've become the de facto uh, provider of science information
1: to Christians, then I have to deal with this.
2: <laughs> the the What's the,
1: up with that? What's
2: the deal with that movie? I haven't heard of it. What you wait? What you haven't heard? Uh, you haven't even heard. You mean of you haven't the, seen it
1: yet? No, I haven't heard of it. I you think haven't
2: I've, heard of the biggest <laughs> movie
1: in the country. Maybe it'll jog my memory. I'm actually into movies, so you're into movies. No, and You haven't no heard of the biggest. No way you're into movies. <laughs> you're clearly
0: not into movies. <laughs> okay. Name a movie that's out. Sorry, now. sorry. Name, uh, if you're into movies, name one movie that's out right now. Dumb and Dumber Two. There you go.
1: What's the last movie you went and saw, Joey, at a theater? Went and saw? Oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. For somebody that's, that's into uh, movies. Well, I have four kids. I don't go see movies regularly. Oh, so you watch tons last of movies, movies at I actually, home. Yeah, I watched Chef recently. That was really good. And I started watching Snowpiercer. Um, but then Priscilla and I got in a long talk, and I didn't finish it. But that seems kind of a cool movie. Well, anyway, well, uh,
0: Interstellar, Joey, is a movie about... Time travel and space and it's a sci fi kind of movie that's also a drama. People are way into it. People like talking about it a lot. So they asked me a bunch of questions. So we're gonna do a science segment. And also, I'm really thankful because my science segment has now been sponsored by people in the B C Club. So Joey, do you wanna do you wanna read a list of the people that have sponsored this segment today? Brought yes. this is Science the this, this is Science for Christians brought to you by who?
1: Yes, uh, today's Science for Christians is brought to you by Lindsay Koch, Sean LeFleur, Kirk Dyer, Caleb Ehrenhalt, Joshua Kelly, Charmaine Williams, hey Charmaine Williams, Tyler Hoagland, Ben Geiger, Kevin Grote, Simeon Burns, and lastly, Matthew Niederlander.
2: Oh, Thank uh, you Joey, guys. did Charmaine Williams sponsor it twice? Why'd you say her name twice?
1: Uh, just because she actually is someone that the guys have met at an Emory show, and I've kind of uh, talked back and forth with her on Facebook. So it was just a name that I actually recognized, and that's typically not the case with a lot of these people that are strangers to me. Yeah, thanks, Logan, for asking a stupid, boring question. I was just curious.
2: Uh, Here, let me ask another question. How do you spell (laughs) the first girl's last name?
1: Uh, K-O-C-H. Did I say it right? That's Coke. (laughs) Coke. Is it Coke? Yeah. Well, I definitely did not like saying cock for a girl's last (laughs) name. (laughs) You didn't like it, but you had to because that's
0: all it could have been.
1: Yeah, that's like, that's like Toby's Niger story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I don't want to do any spoilers about the movie, because I know a lot of people like Joey haven't seen it yet. Or heard of it. Or heard of it yet. So (laughs) after he hears of it, he might go see it. So what, what, uh, since... This is uh, Science for Christians. One thing I do need to point out is, Logan, you're not a Christian. So for the purposes of this podcast, you're going to have to pretend to know a lot less about science than you actually know. Can you do that? Copy that. You'll have to pretend to be much dumber. Just And you can ask me questions if, as if you were a Christian. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So you have to lay down your actual knowledge of science here. Joey, proceed as normal
1: see as normal.
0: <laughs> 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 so without spoiling the plot too much, this movie does deal with something called time dilation and contraction. So in the movie, they visit a planet that is orbiting a large black hole. And because of the gravitational field of the black hole, it causes relative time difference to the people on Earth and the people that go visit this other planet. So scientifically speaking, people ask, well, is that true? If you go out in a spaceship, if you're in outer space, if you're near a gravitational field, if you travel near the speed of light, does time speed up or slow down for you? And the answer is yes, observably so. It's been tested. It was predicted as a consequence of relativity, and it's been backed up to be true. We have atomic clocks that are in the International Space Station uh now that we have technology at the time it was predicted we didn't have the even clock technology to measure it, but now we do so we have clocks that we can measure against each other that are extremely accurate and see that that is in fact the case now the time for the person doesn't feel slower or faster but c- one compared to another their times are actually different. So if you're very close to a massive gravitational field, then the time for you will pass as normal. And then for the observer back on Earth, much more time will have passed than has passed for you. So you'd essentially be younger than your earthly contemporaries. And people could, let's say, catch up to you in age that were younger than you on Earth. So, you know, very interesting Uh, real thing that that exists. So how about black holes? Do they exist? Yes, they do. Black holes are real. Uh, There are, in fact, black holes very close to us. The closest black hole is 6,000 light years away from us. It's in the Milky Way. It's in our very own galaxy. In fact. Our galactic center, the center of our galaxy, is believed to be a giant, supermassive black hole that our whole galaxy spins and rotates around. That's about 25,000 light years from where we are. But what people want to know, and something that does happen, spoiler alert, in this movie, is someone goes into a black hole, and people... want to talk about what happens in a black hole, what's in there, what could you find out, what could you learn in a black hole, what's on the other side of a black hole if you go into it, you come out somewhere else. Well, the problem with that is, unfortunately, it doesn't work for science fiction, but in reality is not survivable for someone to even travel into the black hole in the first place. You can go into one, but alas you cannot come back out of one. And even to go in one in the first place is not something you could survive. So let's just picture Logan going into a black hole. He's he's out there traveling. He's got a jet suit on and oxygen and all that kind of stuff. So he wants to travel down into there. What would actually happen to him? So this is this is what it would look like. You would let's say you would go feet first. That's the classic example and you're just looking down at the black hole feet first and it starts to pull you in with this gravity and as you get close uh, a force called tidal force would begin to act on you and that's the same force that causes tides on earth it's pulling the water from one side around you know toward the other side because the gravity is stronger on the side closest to the Sun than the other side. So, in this case, the gravity is so dramatic and pronounced that it would pull more on your feet than it would on your head, even in the six feet difference apart. The amount of gravity would be very, very (laughs) profound, and it would start to pull you and stretch you way beyond what your body can handle. This actually has a term, it's called spaghettification. Believe it or not, but that is exactly what would happen. You would start, legs would start stretching out and it would be pulled into a longer and longer streams until eventually, snap. You'd break in half, probably somewhere above your hips, on the weakest part, and you would you'd sit there, and then the neck, those two parts of you again would begin to stretch, and you'd see your torso stretch out, and your legs over there besides you stretch out and break again, and this would happen over and over again until you essentially became a, a long spaghetti strings of molecules, and then atoms marching right down into that black hole, just pulled out.
2: Spaghettification. Spaghettification. You know- And And that's a scientific term.
1: It is a scientific
0: term. Also, one other really cool effect being the time dilation, that if you were watching somebody go in a black hole, you would see them stretch out, and you would watch their clock slow down, and it would continue to slow down forever. And you would never, time would be real for you if you were the one going in the black hole, but if you were watching Logan go in the black hole, he would appear to never go into it. He would simply... Slow down! Oh my God, God, Joey,
2: stop breathing so hard.
1: Are you being serious?
2: Absolutely, I'm hearing it just.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Hey, no, that's
0: him simulating being out in outer space, Logan, where like the mask and everything. Matt,
1: have you heard that there is some theory in explaining uh, the seven literal days of creation and how? Do not
2: um, hey, do not hijack Matt's science. with Your Chris, <laughs> I can talk. take a
1: question here. No, but have you have you heard that that's that's partly an explanation? What like what you're describing? Um, they're they're saying like when the universe started, uh, time could have been way slower. So we we are talking literal days. Uh, But the days just look differently. Um, No,
0: that doesn't make any sense from a scientific point of view in that the Earth would only be 4 billion years old and then the universe is like 400 billion years old. So by that time, everything would be spread out enough to where we already have a stable solar system and there would be no large effects whatsoever of gravitation at that point that are not currently here. So that would not make sense.
1: Yeah, you're losing me
0: okay you get that logan
2: oh yeah loud and clear
0: okay well you're supposed to pretend like a dumb christian remember
2: oh you know matt i'm not sure could you repeat it
0: (laughs) no you're supposed to say something like well god wouldn't let that happen
2: oh
3: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so i have one more analogy for fourth dimensionality uh fourth four dimension space time that i'd like to explain and uh it goes like this. I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say this, and so I think it's the best explanation I've heard of. It.
2: Well, here we go again. Joey's breathing hard.
0: So, Neil deGrasse Tyson had a really good analogy for this. He said, So, sometimes people and even Christians think, you know, multi dimensionality, five dimensions, four dimensions, sounds spooky or weird, and there's no proof of that or whatever. But four dimensional space time is not that hard to imagine, especially with this analogy. So, he says, Imagine this if you were going to meet somebody. In New York City, you're going to meet them at a place on the ground, a two-dimensional space, and then a three-dimensional space, you're going to meet them on a building, let's say the 17th floor. So I'm going to be at 10th Street and Broadway on the 14th floor, let's say. So that's three-dimensional. But also, very clearly, there's one other thing you need when you meet somebody, and that is a time. Otherwise, you miss them. So four, four-dimensionally, you can understand we need four coordinates, as it were, to be able to meet at a place in a time so that's a real practical way to understand that we actually do use time as a dimension the only problem of it is that we are in fact prisoners of the time and we can't move freely in and out of it and so we are locked into it but nonetheless we experience time as a dimension already very clearly so i thought that was a really good analogy and it also points out one other thing that I'd like to say about science for Christians. I have one more proof that when it comes to science, Christians are stupid. And that is, if you listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson, he hosts the show Cosmos, and he has a podcast called Star Talk. And if you listen to him, you'll find that he is great at explaining science. But he is an atheist. But my question is, why in the hell do you people listen to me instead of him? Because I don't even know what I'm talking about, people. And that is Science for Christians this week. Thank you, everybody. And thank you to my new sponsors. I
1: appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Logan, what do you think about when we talk about X3 Watch? You obviously think that it's crazy that we would actually think through having a female ride shotgun in the car with us.
2: Yeah, that is crazy. I do. But I think while I have no intention of ever using this software... I think it's, it is, a, it is a, a good thing to have, especially if you don't want to do this kind of stuff, because uh, you can get some real dark places on the internet. Yeah.
0: So why wouldn't you so, want X3 just to avoid that stuff then?
2: Because I don't care enough. I see. And sometimes I'm looking for some dark shit.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. Well, if if you don't know what we're talking about, X3 Watch is a computer software program put out by Triple X Church. Matt, Toby, and I use it, and we're accountability partners with each other through the software. How it works is uh, you can go to x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. Get half off of the premium subscription. What you'll do is you'll download it on your computer, determine who your accountability partners are, type in their email addresses. Then, anytime you go on a sketchy website that uh, could be pornographic in nature, it'll either be blocked uh, if you have the premium uh, subscription you can't even get to it. but in addition to, th- to that, your accountability partner will get an email uh, letting them know that you went there. So it's just it's, it's a great system if you don't want to be looking at porn and you know that at some point you will want to look at porn. So uh, we use it. It's great accountability for us. Uh, go out and get it, and we do appreciate Craig Gross and the Triple uh, X Church. Uh, folks, and uh, thanks for partnering up. That's with
0: right. So go to x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. And if you go there and tell them Matt, Toby, and Joey sent you virtually, then you will get 50% off of that software. And there's also a free version. So please go pick it up today. We're big supporters of it. Thank you. Okay. So now. Just to be clear on this, we're going to do this interview with with Jennifer Knapp and uh, Toby and Joey and I. We did this interview earlier, right, Joey?
1: Yep, yep. We did it uh, a little way, a little ways back, and it was uh, it was great.
0: Yeah, sometimes we get the, we get the interviews done ba- based on the guest schedule. and They're not always right in line with what we're doing today. Hence, Logan, thank you for joining us so far. We're going to go okay. into this interview with Jennifer Knapp, who is a t- tell them a little bit about Jennifer Knapp, would you, Joey?
1: Yeah Jennifer Knapp, uh, she w- she exploded in the Christian music scene. Um, I would say about 15 years ago, uh, just a huge artist and uh, sold a lot of records and uh, what was going on behind the scenes a lot of people did not know, but uh, she started to um, question her sexuality and uh, actually came all the way out of the closet. Um, and so that's honestly a, a huge topic of discussion nowadays in the church. It's an issue that, uh, heats a lot of people up for some reason. And, uh, we talked to her about that as well as her music career. And, uh, she's actually just a, a darling to talk to. So, uh, stay tuned. All right. We'll be right back with Toby,
0: Matt, Joey, and Jennifer Knapp. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Logan. Joey, did y'all know Copeland put out a new record last week?
1: If you find yourself here on my side of town, (laughs) pray that you'd come to my door.
0: We have had Aaron Marsh just join us in the studio, ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) Talk to me like you don't know what we ever thought about. (laughs) Keep going. It's great because I don't remember anymore.
0: Now that is wonderful, Joey. That's um from Copeland's first record. <laughs> we just
1: we just lost all of our uh credibility to um, promote Copeland's new album. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's do talk about that for saying
0: Copeland does have a new album that came out last week. It's called Ixora, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But that was uh, beneath the medicine tree, their first record that you were singing, Joey.
1: Yeah, I remember when I first heard it, Toby came over to my house. You guys had just gotten back from tour, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this stuff is awesome. It really is one. You know, there's not too many bands that you can actually label as ear candy. And uh, I think Copeland, (laughs) Copeland is one of those ear candy bands. Like, I mean, you take a really good hardcore band, and you can't call it ear candy. I mean, it's like ear steak or something like that. But Copeland, everything they've put out is ear candy.
0: Yeah, what I like about Copeland and they, they really are a one of my favorite bands. I love them, and I'm super stoked on this new record. I'm not just saying that, but what I like about Copeland is they've never had this like a uh, gravitation, if you will, toward the mainstream. They've they've stayed uh, artistic through yeah. their whole career. It's never been like they were trying to make radio hits or fit a genre or anything they just they just have their own unique thing and it's it's powerful i mean i think that's the best compliment you can give a band is man they're unmistakable and who who they are what they do and what their identity is and I guess I have one other memory attached to Copeland, and that's when, when Emory was trying to get signed in 2002, we drove down to California and went and visited the militia group, the label. We drove up, knocked on their door with our demo, and said, Hey, you got to sign us. We want to be on your label, and uh, we'll let us play in your parking lot kind of thing. And they said, that you know they just were trying to put us off essentially, they didn't really take us seriously. they blew it
1: well, I don't know if they did, but oh if they had it if they had it to do all over again, of course they would have signed you,
0: yeah, well. Yeah, maybe so. But at the time, what they told us, you know, their put off to us was we just signed a new band. All our resources are going to there. It's this band called Copeland. Um, They're really awesome. So I'm sorry. Unfortunately, we're not interested in Emory at at this time. So Copeland got our spot on a label that we wanted to be on at the time. And then subsequently, that's when we got it into Copeland. We're like, well, they must be good. And we listened to that first record and. Uh, yeah, I've loved it ever since. Listen to it a million times. So here's what I need to relay to you guys. Pay attention. The new Copeland album came out last week. You might have missed it. If you bought it, great. If not, go get it. It's in Best Buy. Go go to Best Buy and buy it. Remember buying a real CD? You probably bought their other ones at Best Buy. Go get this one there for old times' sake. It's on Spotify if you want to listen to it. Of course, we're not even going to play a song from it because it's easy to find. You can go listen to, I think, all the songs right now. But buy the album. It's good. You'll. Like it. You will thank me for it. Yeah, in fact, send me a handwritten thank you letter after you buy this record. That's, that's how much you're going to like it. So, you know, just letting you know, new Copeland record, out, now, get it, or else. Folks, I got one more little advertisement announcement commercial for you guys, and we'll get right back to the interview. But this one is brought to you by the band Emory. So Emory has a holiday sweatshirt that's out. It's printed on American apparel. It's very cool looking, very comfortable, good quality stuff. Uh, It's red. It's got a holiday design on it. Um, We designed it. I mean, not... Designed it as in, like, did the Photoshop file, but described what it should look like. And we'd love for everybody to pick one up, and we're going to give a discount for these people like you that listen to the podcast. So, if you go to badchristian.com and find the store, uh, or you can find it on our Facebook, you'll find the sweater. You get $5 off if you enter the promo code XMAS, X-M-A-S. Xmas. So go into the promo code there, pick up the Emory sweater. It would make a great gift for your girlfriend. I think your aunt would look awesome in it. Your weird uncle would be, it would be amazing present for that guy. Trust me, he will love it. And yes... People have been asking. The proper etiquette is after you get this sweatshirt and or you give it away to somebody, you should, in fact, send me a handwritten thank you note, like a thank you card from a wedding gift or engagement gift or whatever. Yes, send me a handwritten note to thank me for you know, hooking you up with this shirt and the discount on it. I'll, I'll be waiting. I'll, I'll, ch- I'll be checking the mail for the thank you notes. So thank you, guys. All right, here we go. Let's get into our interview with Jennifer Knapp.
1: Awesome. Jennifer, my wife, is really excited about this. She was big into your stuff in college. So
4: Now, how come it's always the wife's? I
1: don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, know. Is I don't that, know.
0: Do you always find that, Jennifer? Is that the way it always is?
4: I... I it is that way a bit, although I have been like a celebrity hall pass for a couple of men, but that kind of got ruined when I
5: came out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about that today. I actually was listening to some of your music, and I was thinking like, I, now don't get me wrong. I I I want to say th- I, well, I want to say things well, and not I don't want to offend anybody, and I'm very very good at offending people. But do you do you think like listening to your music? Do you think that? You might ha- be like a voice and like for women. Like, do you think they respond to like, man? Maybe some the way you sing and the honestly, when I was listening to it, I just uh, the music today. I was just riding around in my car and uh, I was like, you know, th- it, it, it. There's a confidence there that I think maybe sometimes uh, s- some people don't, have, and that's men and women. But I wonder, do women really respond to that because they feel like one of our own? I hope that's yeah, not I mean, offensive. He, no, that, no, no. Does that Here, make sense? Here's a, a perfect yeah, example. Jennifer. Just let Jennifer answer. <laughs>
4: I think, you know, it's fair enough. You know, I I have most of my, the people that I listen to happen to be women, not to say that there aren't, you know, guys in there. Um, But, you know, I I think women do tend to listen to a a very pretty heavy volume of music. I could be wrong about that. I'm sure there are plenty of chicks out there that would say they'd raise their hand. That's just not true. But, you know, it's never bothered me. You know, it's it, at the end of the day, I go to a show and it's it never feels like a Fem Fest. You know, there's dates come and guys enjoy what you know, enjoy the music equally. But is there it, a festival really bothers there, me?
0: Is there not a festival that exists called Fem Because we could start it, be like Woodstock yeah. or one of the, you know. Fem and
4: absolutely no men allowed. Right. But you know, as a, as I'm a like kind of a sexual orientation advocate, you know, I try to not kind of segregate people based on their sex. So.
1: I see. <laughs> yeah, like when my wife puts in Indigo Girls, for example, there's almost like a female power element to it. It's like, and I I don't even think she necessarily says this, but it's almost like. I think a lot of girls rally around that band because I think what Toby was trying to articulate, you can't necessarily even put a finger on it, but it's just like this unsaid, they're speaking for the girls. Well, I have heard.
4: Well, I was going to say, I'll flip it on its ear. I mean, guys do the same thing. I mean, oh, totally. Oh, yeah. 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 Dudes totally like rocking it. You know, I I pulled up to a stoplight the other day and some guy was like blaring death metal or whatever it was. I look over, you know, and it's just like this. Just white dude sitting there rocking his head in his, you know, Toyota Camry. I'm like, right on, man, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> and, he th- and he thinks
0: that Sully from Godsmack is speaking for him. Now, Jennifer, a second ago you made a joke about how you said you were a lot of men's celebrity hall pass until you came out. Have you, since you've come out, have you ha- had a big shift in your fans, like male, female, or, or the fan base in, in, as a whole?
4: You know, ironically, I would tell you that I have a more equal fan base. Okay. Um, uh, it, as far as, you know, people that are coming up and, you know, t- telling me their stories and telling me, like, why the music, you know, why they've been fans for so long. And so I don't know why, but I, I have a lot more men this time around than I used to,
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, or I would tell you that I used to, but, you know, it's not like I've got a graph and I'm keeping the statistics sure. on it. It just it seems like it's a lot more ordinary and equal, actually, Um, than back in my Christian music days. It seemed fairly segregated in, you know, just Christians talk to me about the music and predominantly females, and now I have, you know, Christians coming up to me and talking about their faith experiences with music as much as atheists coming up and say, I really like this stuff, or, you know, different religious denominations and guys and girls, white, black. It's uh, For me, I'm really actually enjoying... Getting access on a mainstream side, it's there's a lot more diversity in the people yeah. that I come in contact with, and that I'm, you know, may have always been fans, but or maybe, you know, feeling like I'm I'm showing up in places that better represent where they hang out. So.
0: So before you took your hiatus, you were doing like you just said, Christian industry, Christian scene stuff. So you were doing just the biggest, most mainstream kind of Christian events and crusade, big type things, weren't you?
4: uh yeah, yeah i mean i guess like um, you used to
0: play with who like the big name christian things at giant Sandy and patty and, stuff
1: like that. Yeah. and twilight uh, paris know, I, and all I, them
4: yeah. no i mean those, <laughs> those that that you know that that's what we like to call the adult contemporary side the ac side of it yeah uh-huh. I, mean, I, I hung out yeah. with a lot of the rockers um you know, I I did a tour with uh, DC Talk. Uh-huh. I did a couple of tours with Jars of Clay with those guys. Um, I did a lot on my own. But, you know, definitely hit all the major festivals like Creation East and West. And, right. You know, just pretty much you could put a, a tack in, you know, on the map for every major Christian music festival that's out there. I was pretty much hitting them every year.
0: So, Jennifer, you may not know this, but Toby and I, uh, we play in a band called Emory. And so we have a really... uh close shared set of experiences in that we do have done a lot of christian festivals in the creation east and west and stuff like that but we typically and often play in places like house of blues and stuff like that so we totally get that the way it is at the christian festivals and stuff like that but you don't do them anymore
4: uh you know no not as a habit uh i mean largely just because my music just doesn't fit the genre i mean -hmm. you wouldn't expect to see you know A mainstream artist going into these festivals, Um, and and the music that I'm playing right now isn't like overtly spiritual in you know the Christian language kind of set of words and usage. Um, Are you glad to not do those festivals anymore?
0: To be in that scene? uh,
4: I don't know if I'd say glad. I think there's a couple (laughs) ways. You know, there are a couple ways to look at it. You know, I mean, professionally, it just doesn't. It's not my marketplace yeah um yeah it's it's just not the conversation that i'm having but that's not to say there aren't exceptions to that um there's a new festival that got started up a a few years ago called wild goose festival um that's running in the south and like in the mid-south and um i think they're trying to start another one toward the west coast side of things and you know they they were one of the first festivals maybe two or three years ago that asked me to come in and play and I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to go and play some Christian music festival. It's kind of was my response at the time. And I was still kind of really nervous about jumping into a room just full of fanatic Christians mm-hmm. that yeah. had a comment to make about me. Um, but they, they, re- they really wanted to be a part of the conversation of sexual orientation. And I was like, I don't know. I was, I was just still really kind of not knowing how I was going to fit into this space trying to you know looking at my artistry in the past and looking at it now and going well you guys have thrown me out and i've kind of thrown myself out so what what am i doing here but it's through invitations like that that actually turned out to be really helpful for me i mean i've gone back to wild goose a couple of times and still entertained going every once in a while um just for fun and i've I've had some really amazing conversations there and been able to just be an artist there
5: what i was going to ask is so since you're you said now your lyrics aren't as spiritual, but so what got you into Christian music in the first place? Why go that route as opposed to just less spiritual in the beginning?
4: Um, Yeah, a little bit of, it's just kind of wrapped up in the history of how I got to doing like the singer songwriter thing. I mean, I I didn't really have any aspirations of doing that. You know, I didn't grow up going, Hey, I want to be a rock and roll star. Um, I, just kind of the the worlds collided for me with the fact that I kind of played guitar over here and not very well. And I wrote poetry over here and not very well. And then I had this faith life and and then I got got involved in the church and those three things kind of blended and merged together. I had no idea that Christian music existed. I was just writing songs about my experience at the time. And so, you know, my friends just kept saying, oh, play this and play that and come play here. And before I knew it, I'm, you know, Basically touring around and was an independent artist and it's like wow this is pretty good you know I'm really enjoying that and and got you know eventually signed that with church Records was and I did a lot of churches yeah a lot of regional churches I, I I got my start I was in Pittsburgh Kansas at the time going to school and I just started paying my way through college by hanging out at country churches to doing a lot of work in Kansas City there was a Christian coffee house up there at the time called New Earth Coffee House and groups like Hoy polloi and sixpence and the richer and the this dakota motor company and you know Whoa, those are all old the, school
1: names i like that you know
4: donna laurie chaffer were basically the, the the you know the poet laureates there on site um of the donna laurie chaffer of waterdeep so i mean i i really got into seeing a lot of like some amazing artists come through in kansas city and playing and and, and exposure that way but I had no idea like this whole um kind of just system was in play, like concerts that that was just so far ahead of me that I really didn't even understand it until about a year or two into it just how how much of a career path this really was,
1: yeah, hey, you know Toby and I were talking we you know read some articles and interviews that you uh did uh, over the years and some recent, and do you think? that a lot of your audience that was listening to you and kind of putting you on a platform and just loving you and all that sort of thing, if they knew uh, the the unique person that you were and the, the type of thinker that you were, do you think the same people that were cheering you would have crucified you? You know, uh, metaphorically as far as just like, oh wait, she's, she's totally not our hero. We don't like her. She doesn't believe this or she doesn't believe how we believe. But do you feel like People thought something about you that wasn't necessarily true.
4: Um, well, before I even get into that, let me just put the sexual orientation thing off the stage because yeah. I think there's there's a lot of question. I think a lot of people have that you know that I, I quit Christian music in, in reference to my sexual orientation and that I harbored right. the secret. That's right, so I that didn't really question. Have... Yeah. That
1: question has nothing to do with the sexual orientation, yeah. but more more about just how you thought about God yeah. and how your relationship with the church and that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, and I, and so w- with that being said, you know I, I was a relatively new Christian as well. Um, by the time I did my first record on Goatee, I think it was like '99 or something. I don't, I'd only been a Christian for you know maybe five years. Yeah, and and was becoming a young adult as well, so. You know, my experience in the church, my theologies are evolving, you know, I'm I'm having, I'm not just being taught, but I'm now, you know, compiling my own Christian experiences on top of the teaching and those modify and change. You know, you kind of grow up and you move away from your parents and you desert, you know, you kind of develop a personality of your own. One of the stories I actually tell in my book, Facing the Music, was kind of... St- on in the piece, this young girl comes up to me and hands me a CD and says, you know, thank you. Your music saved me from a life of homosexuality. And I said, nothing, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, wow. I, I just remember vividly at the time, just this, just terrible feeling in the pit of my stomach. Cause I wanted to go, Oh, darling, it ain't saving you from nothing. And I don't know why I thought that, you know, yeah. at the time I didn't really have a firm grasp on any kind of theological concept other than. Just everybody that I saw in front of me, I wanted to to have joy and peace and know that they were loved and affirmed. And I didn't do anything at the time, and I wanted to, and things like that kind of kept happening, not just sexual orientation, but, you know, I, I saw friends kind of get kicked out of their churches for one sin or another, or not being what, you know, their social group thought the expectations of Christians were. And as I'd traveled around and seen so many different kinds of Christians, I just became really frustrated that, you know, it's really diverse experience and the idea that it was just cookie cutter and that everybody was great and holy and wonderful or didn't cuss or didn't drink or didn't smoke and we're all virgins and just kind of on and on of these superficial things that it, it made it really hard for me to feel like I could communicate on the level of artistry that I, I'm comfortable in communicating just real and down to earth and gritty. And you know, I mean, I'm pretty conservative at the end of the day, but I, I, you know, I always wanted to be real and I always felt like a bit of a disappointment when I went up onto a stage and I didn't say, yay, Jesus, to get the crowd going because the crowd would be like, come on, just say it. Just say, yay, Jesus. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. Like, it's not the way I roll. But um, so I did get frustrated with that. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah, we had that same thing. Like we that just actually recently. happened on, oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, on our on That's our last tour. Uh <laughs> just this guy in the we were, I think it was in the first show and we were in Joliet, Illinois, right outside of Chicago, and a guy's just going, Hey man, say Jesus. Say Jesus, man, say Jesus And I was just like, Come on. The first, just, I mean, the first way you it, told the
1: story is the best. You said he just said, Say Jesus, man. Say Jesus, say man. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. But people
5: <laughs> I think people want that because uh, that, here's the problem I see with Christian Christian music is People think because you have a microphone and you wrote a song, then you are the hero and you are not allowed to figure things out. And that might even happen on stage. You know what I mean? Like just actually you are a human figuring things out. They, they really think, oh, hey, you got here. I paid my money to get you here. You better speak and say what I want you to say. And, and that's just not art. That's just, uh, you know, them (laughs) trying to give you a megaphone to speak for themselves. And that's I think that's what's frustrating for me. And honestly, even in in your voice, it sounds like there's part of you that has a freedom, like the idea of playing, uh, you know, whatever it be, House of Blues or something, as opposed to a Christian festival. There's some freedom in that, which seems so strange to me. There should be freedom at the Christian festival as well. But there is a freedom of, hey, there are people here at this House of Blues and they might do anything, but at least I can be me here, you know? Yeah.
4: Well, here here's the point where I, I tend to surprise people because I'm going to be a little bit of a counterpoint and spank you a little bit. All right, is, is that you know I think it's really easy in those times that we feel uncomfortable in that environment envir- environment right to criticize the the necessity of that environment. So you know I'm you know take for example like if I go to like a country music gig and everybody's got NASCAR shirts, drinking Bud Light, and cowboy hats. Right. And on. it's easy, it's easy for me to go and make fun of that because. You know, at, at some point in time, I think that there's a right space at a time for us to have this unified coming together and celebrating, you know, in a theme, for lack of a better way to say it. So I, I think that the, the trick out of that is and the fine line that's kind of maybe particular to Christian music experiences is, you know, how do we do that while incorporating the diversity of of what it means to be Christian, you know, and it's, it's not always cookie cutter and it's not always easy. And we, you know, I'm, I'm sure when everybody assembles next summer for Creation Music Festival, that there's not just evangelical Christians there. There'll be mainliners and there'll be fringe people, you know, fringe denominations that you and I will probably scratch our heads at. But the, the challenge I think in any artist and uh, that to me has that i gravitate to the the kind of art that creates a commonality is is kind of the challenge like what what is it here with the diverse group of people that have come to this place or are listening to this person or this message or this moment what is it that we can all universally share right now and to not you know even though that there's one or two people that maybe come to that and don't feel comfortable that's a real challenge and and for me like stepping away from that place was part of that. Like I didn't, I just didn't feel comfortable in that and I didn't want to fight that anymore and I didn't want to be disingenuous in it either. So I, it took me a long time to figure out well what is it that I really want to say and how can I see my difference in that and not be angry about the differences that I create.
5: Yeah, I think I think I think I handle it a little bit worse than you. I think what you're basically <laughs> saying is that you're a lot nicer person because two on nights the outside, th- only on the outside. On <laughs> no, the inside, no. I just do
4: all my processing on the inside.
5: <laughs> well, 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 what I'm saying is though, if you are able to give somebody enough grace to let them say, it, like you, uh, I I on opposite of you don't uh, like it when people <laughs> Toby say whatever the they part. want to say. Well, two nights later in another place, a guy started saying the same thing, Uh-oh, and okay. I just couldn't take it, and you- I said. I said he was saying say Jesus man say Jesus another this is a whole other show in another city and I said man I think you just want me to say Jesus so you can have somebody that like you can believe like I I will be encouraging your faith I said why do you need me to say it why can't I mean you say and in fact Matt said. Uh, hey man, why don't you? Uh, here, here's ten <laughs> seconds. You say it right now, and I put the mic in his face, and he couldn't say anything.
3: He
0: didn't say anything,
5: and I fe- then I had to apologize because I felt bad because this guy's just trying. It and I had I'm, a little know bit to heart. do
1: with the fact there is a thousand people there well, watching. Well, I know it's no, there wasn't that. a thousand people, but
5: I know I know the guy's heart. He just wants people to maybe know Jesus. Okay, I understand that, but I do think there's a place and a time, and people paid a lot of money to see us play songs and to perform what we think w- the way we think we should. And so I think in that setting, it feels just so uncomfortable because, I mean, it's the same thing as if somebody's going, hey, man, say veganism is good. Say Be a, be a vegan. Be a vegan. Say veganism is good, man. Veganism is healthy. We get it. We get it. You know, we get I'm, it. I'm, 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 <laughs> but, yeah, so you get it. My point would be, what are you trying to push? Right. If you have to push it that hard, it probably doesn't seem that real.
4: I think there is a real sense of hospitality that we forget when we're disappointed by somebody not being wholly what we, we think that they're going to represent for us. And... You know, that's that's a really difficult space to be in, but the the kind of the space I always kind of go back to anytime I, I kind of take that stage or think about, you know, what the impact is when I'm in a, in a public space is just, you know, how can I be a person that is hospitable to the diversity of people that I meet? And how can I encourage that person to be who they are? Um, because uh, for me, that's just one of the things that gets me up in the morning. Every time I go out and meet somebody like, yeah, one of uh, uh, this is another gay example. Sorry, But like a long time ago, I had this idea in my mind that any surviving gay Christian would have only done so because they were willing to wash their hands of evangelical Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a gay Christian, the odds on are that you weren't going to be an evangelical or a Pentecostal or anything like that, mm-hmm. and because yeah. that's just what I thought that was working for me, and and then I met this guy. Who this you know, just had all the Jesus talk. He was like, Bless you, I'm here to tell you that I Jesus loves you and I love you and I'm gay and I'm preaching and I'm evangelical and I was like, What?
1: He said Sad. that and I'm gay yeah, yeah. and I'm preaching?
4: Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was like, this guy's a sap. I hated him immediately. I was just like, I, I didn't want to be around the guy. I didn't want to hear another word he had to say. And he's my friend now. Like, <laughs> and it's, I don't know why. He just keeps pestering me and kept showing up to shows. But, um, but he, he taught me a really valuable lesson that you know, whatever, whatever I thought that he could have been by the labels that he chose to, to, to present himself to me, I had to still wait for him to tell me that story. And yeah. it, it took a long time for me to kind of realize realize that the uh, com- the discomfort that I had about who he was was more of my own issue than it was of his. He's very comfortable. He's an evangelical. He preaches. He wants people to know Jesus. He's a drag queen, gospel <laughs> singing. You know, he loves it. And that's his story. And there's a real beauty in that. I mean, he literally is leading people to Jesus.
1: Yeah, Jennifer, how important is the conversation? Because there's a lot of people... That would hear what you just said and say well no he's he 's not a christian you can 't you can 't say both of those things. those people that i 'm referring to and i'm i 'm not trying to uh, be a jerk or say anything demeaning to them, but I just don't think there's anything that you could say right now that would convince them otherwise. How important <laughs> is the conversation because there's a lot of people listening they 're like, oh, Jennifer Knapp, I kind of know her story. I hope they talk about uh, her being a lesbian and her whoa, 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 whoa. Cur- Jennifer, you're gay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I what the hell?
4: <laughs> I, Just kidding. Right <laughs> here on bad. I, what better time to come out than on badchristian.com?
1: <laughs> so what? How how important is this conversation to the church and and and? In what context should it be have? I mean, do you, do you think, man? We just need to talk about it as much as we can because it's it's super important. I believe the conversation is extremely important, but I don't necessarily know exactly how to go about it.
4: Yeah, oh yeah, like I do. Um, <laughs> I, first off, I'll say that I, I do think the conversation is important. It's it's not only one in, ter- in terms of the social consciousness. I think it's an opportunity for the church to to be really receptive to what it means to be kind and to be compassionate to the, the real life goings on and the spiritual needs of every one of its people. No. Um, and that may not always be in the way that we imagine it to be. It may test our theologies to its limits. However, you know, I'm a fan that that's, that says that our theologies are what we create to be able to identify who we think God is, it's not something that's been handed down to us that says this is the theology of Christianity. I mean, there's it's it's wide and it's diverse yeah. and it's based in part by the experiences that we have and the vulnerabilities of the humans that tell that story. So I think, you know, personally, I would say that our, our, our faith communities that are getting in touch with this are starting to realize that this actually isn't just an LGBT conversation. This is a conversation about the core of who we are as human be human beings in contact with God and God meeting us in the place that we are and if 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 there's a certain point in the gospel that tells us anything, it's that even at our lowest of lows and our you know our worst possible days that's where God has come to love us. And so I think it's a fundamental conversation for us to be able to have.
1: Yeah, um we, we talked, a, a good friend of mine um, who is part of an evangelical church and super involved, and um, he, he's recently really come to a crossroads with figuring out how to carry out his sexual orientation uh, being a gay guy. And we, the three of us got to talk to him, and he, he actually talked about it, from a questioning standpoint as far as, I don't know, it may be just a complete sin that I may need to deny the rest of my life. I'm trying to figure yeah. that out. How, it, where are you at with that? Would you say you don't really know? It doesn't really matter to you? Um, you you don't think it's a sin? Does it even no, matter? I,
4: yeah, I, don't, I won't hesitate. I, four years ago, I would have totally sweated that question. I don't hesitate. I, I don't think homosexual orientation, you know, whether you're lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, I don't think sexual identity in any way is a sin. Right. Um, I just, I I don't. Um, The, I think that, but there are, you know, I think there, there needs to be a great deal of respect proffered for those in their spiritual journey and how they do approach that with their, their faith system. So you
0: can um, tolerate can you tolerate people that that don't agree with you on that? I, I or tolerate, the peop-
4: sure I, like I understand it you know I, I understand where the teaching, like say that homosexuality is a sin. like for me, I get re- really academic fairly quickly. I right? mean I understand where the teaching comes from. Mm-hmm. However, in understanding that teaching, it's not one that I feel like is one that I can back. I yeah. mean it doesn't have the experience. Now, I tend to go to, in this kind of zone, I I tend to talk quite frequently about the Wesleyan quadrilateral of faith. And what that is, is this idea that it's, you know, in our Christian lives, what informs our Christian living is in part the traditions of the church, the scripture that informs us, the logic, you know, logic and reason. And our experience, like all four of those things kind of have to marry together in order to be able to kind of inform what we think we might know or might not know about God. Um, and so I think in terms of the LGBT conversation, you, you have to be willing to enterta- entertain what that conversation is. Um, it's not simply good enough to just simply say to somebody that's a sin. Um, for some people, it's not. I mean, even Paul talked about that. What's good for me may not be good for you. Um, but ultimately for me sin is something that separates us from God and if you listen to the experiences of LGBT people who have kept their faith one of the things that you will hear is it's the spiritual process of getting to know oneself being willing to be accountable for oneself it's very much in the same vein that it is for any heterosexual human being and the freedom and being able to and I don't mean freedom to like do whatever you want but like the the sense of like uh, spiritual liberation, right? Like just not being bound up and worried and fretting and scared. But the freedom to be able to kind of start to explore your faith comes in just going, listen, this is me. This is, this is me who I am. And it, for me, my reconciliation for that at its most unpoetic point was, well, God, this is what I got. So you love me with this from where we're starting today, or you don't. And I, I think that's really a contest that we we really get into defining. On um, I think it's a mistake to get in a contest of defining Christianity by those measures, you know.
0: So, how did you think about that Larry King interview? How did you, how was that experience for you? Because I thought it was very cool
4: uh i'll tell you today that if I had to do it today i don't think I would have come off as well
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> well it was I thought he I was I great really I thought he was great because he asked so many questions he was so quick with the questions, and it was really good and then, when you talked to that that the pastor guy came on, I thought that the way that that was handled was really interesting, and i really you know I really had a hard time with that guy's disposition. the way he came across on that made me really uncomfortable because he was so i felt like I don't know if it was fake. It was kind of like a fake, humble, calm, and he just wanted to say, but I love you, Jennifer, whatever. But clearly yeah. it felt like he was just trying to further either himself or his blog or his church, yeah. and it was under the guise of trying to tell you that he was there because he cared about you. But clearly y'all had had uh, interchange backstage, and it seemed like pretty adversarial there. How? What was that like?
4: Yeah. Um, well, I tell that story in, in my book as well. Um a little bit of what the behind the scenes was like, but, you know, by the end of it, I actually, I, I kind of felt like I walked away with a nugget of having learned something. And as what, what I, I think I, I would have told you going into that, that, um, pastor Botsford was mm-hmm. aggressive and argumentative toward me and wanted me to have a particular viewpoint. Um, now by the end of that, I, I came off with an, a sense of, a feeling like there was a lack of experience in being able to just have this conversation out in the open um yeah. it kind of it happened in a moment for me when when bob got kind of frazzled and said it's Adam and Eve not no. Adam and Steve <laughs> and i was like holy crap this guy is getting Hammered, <laughs> and I hard <started laughs> to feel for him because he just didn't have the language. You know, he yeah. didn't. He didn't have the experience. And you know what? I I really had compassion for that. There, so you felt bad there, for him
0: at that interview.
4: I did. Um, I had my own issues going on, but I did, and I still think about that moment very much, and just having, reminding myself that just because I see somebody acting in an adversarial way to me, and this is the Pollyanna, I'm always kind of trying to hope the best in people and my friends make fun of me for it. But I think, you know, part of the adversarial process is for, for some people that we see as our enemies are sometimes just acting in the way that, as Brian McLaren would has frequently written, in the way that they've inherited. Uh-huh. They've, you know, this is something, an LGBT conversation where... We, where, you know, we're, we commonly hear from a church leader that homosexuality is a sin and you need to repent and, you know, that kind of language is is one that hasn't been practiced in any other way but that. And now that we're starting to hear the other stories of LGBTs that are actually in faith positions, that are actually pastors or teachers in divinity schools, they're, you know, they're deacons, they're clergy members, they're alienated and lost and lesbian embarrassing and praise and worship songs. Who knows? But we haven't had, we're just now getting into that experience. We're just, and that goes back to your point where I think it's so important that we actually do engage and we get a lot more comfortable because we need to get a lot more familiar with what it is to have this conversation.
5: Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is I think you're exactly right is, okay, as far as homosexuality or being gay. That's just one of the big ones in Christianity. We've all been taught, hey, that's one you stay away from. You don't, you know, you 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 don't cheat on your wife. You you know, you are honest. You don't lie. You don't kill people. You're you're not gay. And that's all we've ever heard from. Uh, that, that's all I ever heard and was pushed from the time I was little. And so now it's scary. Because what you're saying, what you're saying is that you can be gay and and are a Christian and people are like, wait a minute, that's unrepentant sin. She is not she, you know, I sin, but I'm, I'm repentant of it. But it's the same thing. Like, for example, like you mentioned being an alcoholic, but there are people that go, yeah, I can drink, you know, 10 beers a day and it doesn't hurt my family or anything. And it's no big deal. Yeah. What do you, why are you going to tell me that? Or somebody goes, yeah, my wife's totally fine or my husband's totally fine with me uh, having sex outside our marriage as long as I do this, this, and this, and our our, our marriage is fine, and it's great. And so, you know, Or, you know, as long as I'm not hurting anybody, th- this is okay within my – and so now where we are at in this day and age, and I believe is kind of what maybe even uh, kind of going back to your point too, is just that people haven't had any experience with it, so the first thing they do is defend what they know. No no I know I know one thing being gay is wrong and I'm got and if you don't say it's wrong then you are not a Christian and you are sinful and and at no point in that conversation the, is the person go well I do a lot of bad stuff or I do something that I need to think about myself or let me think about situations that I've been in where I don't think it's sin and, and somebody maybe else I does, can yeah. maybe I can
0: meet you somewhere yeah. you know we can meet somewhere as humans so your partner now is your first uh person you've been with uh the sexual relationship you've had with as, as gay.
4: Well, yeah. And I, I suppose on that end, I'm very much a Christian. I'm hopelessly monogamous and wanting to stay married mm-hmm. for the re- you know, stay with my partner for as long as I possibly humanly can. So, you know, and that's where I say at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a pretty conservative human being. Um, I'm pretty boring. Married life is, you know, mm-hmm. come home, cook dinner, figure out the finances and, you know, Well, that's really interesting.
5: It's really interesting that you say that because probably what's here's what's interesting about that. If if you like you said, you found your soulmate. So we're talking way more than just a sexual relationship here. You know what I mean? Like what, what you are what you're talking about is a way bigger relationship. And I think what Christians tend to get stuck on is is the sexual side of that which is a i'm assuming is a part of your relationship but at the same time i believe even christians would be totally okay if you said all that but just didn't uh you know have any sexual relationship with your partner like yeah i'd say that's
4: probably not true (laughs) Uh, that's, that's probably not true um like you know any intimate relationship at that point we're we're two partners would be cohabitating together and, you know, signing affidavits that they weren't having sex would still be a point of contention, I think, for a lot of Christians. So it's it's not necessarily the sexual contact, although I do agree with you. I think that's a major hang-up um, for some people.
5: But, no, but, I mean, I, don't, I think you could be totally a, a giant Christian star if you said, yeah, I have a roommate. We're we're just like the best friends. She's my, she's my soulmate, my best friend. Yeah, we don't sleep <laughs> together or anything. I, I get. Yeah. I believe that people could – I think Christian. it's just that, that hang-up they have there of that thing, and what my, I guess my point, overall point is, what you're saying is way bigger than that. That you have a connection with somebody, and and it's and and for me even, I think it's okay for people to agree or disagree or whatever because you're right. What you said, I think is totally true. If you have a problem with being homosexual, don't be one. You know, you know, you know that, that that makes that makes total sense to me. If that, yeah, uh, and if
4: that's at all possible for you to not be one, so.
5: Right. I mean, but even
4: on the other end, that's, 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 I just want to stop and say for a second there are a lot of people who actually are, you know, attracted to the same sex that really do try and reconcile that in a way that's really traumatic for trying to not be that way. Uh, that's, that's so psychologically damaging. I I think the point is here somewhere in all of this is that we've got to find a a sense of comfort in the stories that we have in, in the person we are and the being we are today. And, and at some, and I, at, at that point, you know, that, that incorporates a lot of things It incorporates, you know, how we are sexually, how we are spiritually, how we are with other people, how we are in a room or what we do with our careers, but part of that for me that I'm just so passionate about is just being comfortable in your own skin and with your own. Story, and you know, just being able to deal with what you've got on your plate today and, and being able to, to, to live out that life as best and a, a positively you can, um, I think is the, the real challenge and the test for us to figure out how do we do that. And when we come together in groups, when, when those challenge our own ideas, because I think more often than not, when we see a difference, you know, going back to the Christian festival kind of conversation, sometimes we see somebody that challenges our own sense of security we see somebody that challenge points out something or asks us to do something that we know that we just simply cannot do and we judge ourselves for that and i, I think there's a point of getting beyond that judgment and seeing what we really want to do about it and, and being i, I think your biggest we want to be
5: Honestly, I think your biggest sin is you're just too damn nice. It's like driving me insane. <laughs> you're like the nicest person in the world. You give people grace, you forgive them, even if they're yelling at you. What the hell is your problem? You're slow I to do. speak. <laughs> yeah, you're slow to speak, slow to anger. I can't believe it. None of those things are true.
4: They're so not true. I, hey, heard, let me- I absolutely am outrageously angry at, at times, but I think there's, a, you know, I try to do all these things at home. <laughs> I try to do those in my (laughs) quiet place my quiet padded little dark room
1: (laughs) Jennifer I I can speak for Toby and Matt when when I say this and that is here's I think uh, here's how I think we feel and not one of us has any doubt in our minds as far as your relationship with Christ. I believe uh, I I read what you uh put in some sort of uh, I think it was an interview and you talked about how the fear of the Lord has taken on just a completely different meaning for you as far as what what does God, you know, feel about me embracing this part of my life? None of us doubt your uh, salvation, your relationship with Jesus. I mean, I think you nailed it as far as that's, that's you and God, who, who are we to say now? I think all three of us with, with, um, you know, we've had Jay Baker on here as a guest who, I I don't know if you know, Jay Baker, Jim and Tammy's son, who is a huge voice, um, for gays and lesbians. And, um, so we have really, I think wrestled with this topic. And I think all of us still, uh, probably each of us a- at a different degree lean a little more towards thinking I, I think maybe it's a sin but i th- I think for us, the big thing is it just doesn't matter as much as the church um, makes it an issue now how how does I think Matt kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but how does that sit with you that the three of us are kind of working through the implications of 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 our thought process
4: um well, you'll have to work through that, I guess. Um, you know, I, I just one of my responses that I could be that would be actually absolutely ineffective would be, "Oh my God, you guys are so wrong, and you've got your heads up
5: your asses, <laughs> and I don't think you're
4: very good Christians because of it." That's, that's right. a ridiculous way to respond. I mean,
5: well, we're prob- that's probably a little true, though. But go ahead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, but probably, but see, oddly enough, probably not just for that reason.
5: So <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, um, you're right.
4: <laughs> but the thing, the thing is, is like that's that's the experience that you've had at this point, and
5: right.
4: you know, I, on one hand of it, I, I and I get in trouble when I say this sometimes. It's like, listen, I think it's there are always going to be Christians that absolutely unequivocally will say to you that homosexuality is a sin, it's abomination, and anyone who is a homosexual is going to hell. Full stop. Right. It's probably always going to exist. There'll be a theology to back it up. There'll be biblical references for it. Um, I don't think that you're going to eradicate that ideology from the face of the earth. Right. Um, nor do I think that you know any of us walk through our entire Christian experience with the same theology at the end as we began with. Yeah. It's
3: I'll altered agree.
4: by our experiences. It's altered by the people that we meet. It's and it's you know I that's where I go to. You know I said that's so I've got to. For me, you you talk about grace, and it really is an important thing. I you know I really think about that a lot when I'm out speaking for Inside Out Faith and I'm advocating for LGBT affirmation. I really think long. I try to think long and hard about the way that I speak that shows the same kind of respect and appreciation for someone else's spiritual process that's come to that conclusion, mm-hmm. because it's not just straight you know evangelical Christians that come to that conclusion there are atheists who come to that conclusion and there are people who have been questioning their own sexuality that have come to that conclusion that you know homosexuality is a sin. So, you know, I think the challenge here is to be graceful to the people that you meet, to believe the story that they tell you and give them the space to do that without, you know, demonizing them for holding that belief. But
1: I love it. You know, I think that's so awesome. I'm not cutting you off. I'm just encouraging you as you're talking.
4: (laughs) Go ahead. But no, but we all, you know, I'm sure, you know, if we all sit down here, you know, said, all right, here's a piece of pencil and paper. And we all go off and we write out like 15 things we fundamentally believe in. And then we all come back together. There are going to be some things that we all come together that are going to be largely different and that we disagree or maybe even anger us Does that mean that I should have never talked to you in the first place or that I shouldn't, you know, share a drink with you or hang out and appreciate the story that you're telling me? Far be it for me to say that. I I just that's simply something I just don't believe is is helpful to anybody. Um, And so I think that's kind of the space that I come back to is like, you know, we're going to have theological differences of opinion. But and Christians, we do, you know, we get in a, a severe trap of kind of what I call is eating our own young. You know, yep. we're we're so adamant about defining what a Christian is at the expense of other people who are still on a journey is um, to me a mistake.
0: So it sounds to me like you huge, you Jennifer. mentioned that earlier as well that maybe you referenced it that maybe someday things will be different even in the Christian industry or music industry as in so it's, it's, you're kind of hinting to me that you think progress is being made and that you do think there will be. Widespread uh, change or reform or more openness in the journey of Christianity itself in the in the uh, mainstream.
4: Oh, uh, who knows? You know, one of the things I, I, I say in terms of you know Christian music is you know I don't I don't think there'll be an openly gay artist on a mainstream Christian label until they're probably homegrown from a church. Mm-hmm. You know, a worship leader that's been known to be gay was hired when they were gay, as a following when they were gay, and a, you know the marketplace can't help but cash in on that. That sounds kind of crass. I don't mean it that way necessarily from a financial point of view, but I think at at some point, you know, there has to be there has to be a a road paved enough where the industry feels like it can test those waters a little bit.
0: Well, Jennifer, what else would you? Let's talk about your book for a second. What's the name of your book?
4: Facing the music. Facing the music. I'm a very confrontational person, if you mm-hmm. haven't noticed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that and that is out now. Everybody can get it. Where do you like yep. them to buy it?
4: Uh, you know, Amazon.com, iBooks. You know, every I think you can go down to the local bookstore. I think they're selling at Barnes and Noble. A lot of places. Um, you can stop by my website at JenniferNap.com and see it. So it's anywhere you should be able to find a good book.
0: Well, good. Kindle. All that stuff. Well, good. Uh, you said you mentioned a few times in the interview that some of the stuff we talked about is in there. What else is in there that we didn't talk about today? I know a lot, but...
4: Oh, my gosh. My whole life story is in there from okay. point A to point B. So it, there's there's plenty there's plenty more that will keep you... You don't have to listen to me talk for another hour. Instead, just go read the book.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, guys. And I've, I've also got a new record out, too. Um, a new record out called uh, Set Me Free. So I'm really excited about that, too. Righteous Babe. Uh, Of Audie DeFranco fame is the record company that picked it up. And so um, it's a lovely new record, and I'm sure women everywhere will really love it.
0: Yeah, uh, (laughs) if you're a woman, check out that record. Yeah, if you're if you're a man, buy it for a woman you care about. Yeah, and if you're a Christian,
5: if if you're a Christian, don't listen because it will Uh turn you gay. Yes.
0: (laughs) Oh my
4: gosh. Oh my gosh.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, good having you on the show. We really appreciate your time and uh, learned a lot and loved it. Yeah, I, hey. I really appreciate how, just
5: honestly how casual and comfortable uh, you actually are in your skin. So thank you for being just open and honest with us. We, it's always great just to have this is great conversation, and that's what uh, we, we're trying to do. So we really appreciate you uh, just being open and just funny and
0: cool and all that good stuff. So thank you.
4: Well, I appreciate it, guys. I, I really did enjoy my time.
0: All right, we'll hopefully awesome. run into you soon. Thanks, Jim. All
4: right, don't be a stranger. Bye-bye. All right, bye, guys.
1: Uh, that was Jennifer Knapp. Um, we appreciate her coming on. And Logan, let me ask you something. What do you think about a, a Christian lesbian?
2: Um, well, I would, I would argue that there's Is that no interesting? such
1: thing. What's there's
2: that? There's no such thing. I think there's no such thing. How so? Why? Because I don't believe that you can pick and choose what you like about a religion. You either like everything or nothing. You believe everything or nothing.
0: And so you and so, think Chris, Christianity uh, explicitly prohibits homosexuality based yes. on your understanding of the Bible, not allowed. Yes. And so yeah. if you want to be a Christian, you can't be doing any of that other shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we're, but you know, us Christians, all we do is pick and choose anyway, is what you always say. So why That's can't people fact. just justify this or that that way? Maybe oh, we can. just misread the Bible.
2: You can do that if you want. Well, yeah. you know, I believe in God, but I just love to murder. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, same thing. Okay, okay
1: well, well, well Logan I I I love this. Like what what would you think about a very fat preacher? Would you say there's no such thing as a fat Christian preacher?
2: Uh, yes. You would say there's no <laughs> such thing. <laughs> no. Uh, I I don't know. I think that – because you can be really fat but still not do an excess. Well, I'll put it this way. Type. You believe
0: a lot more in her uh, sexuality than you do her religion, you would say.
2: That's 100% true. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Man, it's, it's usually that time where Matt or Toby says some dumbass comment like – Oh, there's only one thing I'd like better than talking to a Christian lesbian rock star who's really nice and fun to be with. And that's, you know, that t- total bullcrap sort of introduction to Toby's news. But guess what? Toby is not here. So yeah, we don't kind of have to put up with any of this shenanigans. Yeah, that's so, why I was kind of bummed most of the time. No about news it. with All Toby. Situations. Let's, hey, let's Wrong,
2: talk, stupid. In a world where three Christian weirdos get to talk to the internet and get sort of popular, this is News with Toby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's Logan still- Kale, filling in for Toby Morrell. <laughs>
0: so it's still News with Toby?
2: It is still News with Toby. I'm Not News Logan with Kale. Logan. No, News with Toby. I'm Logan Kale, filling in for Toby Morrell. Well, Logan that's-, to bring you the damn
1: news. <laughs> Logan, that's a very honorable thing that you just did and i have to tell and i have to tell you this that i'm actually looking forward to this i mean i i am i'm blown away by how well you have already done i mean you have already far far outdone toby so it's not just inherently that you
0: have a problem with
1: no toby just just is horrible at his job oh okay
0: well logan this is great i'm excited about it man so you're doing news with this. You're doing news with Toby, and we have Logan doing it. I'm yeah. I'm thrilled this is about news it.
2: with Toby. I'm Logan Kale filling in for Toby Morrell.
1: Hey, right. but let me let me speak for Toby. Just don't teach this to our damn kids, okay? This is
0: the liberal news.
2: <laughs> um, liberal atheist news. I've done a, in my opinion, I've done a great job of picking stories that Toby probably would have.
0: All right, let's hear it.
2: Uh, now, as a true journalist, I don't reveal my sources though. Okay, so. This could, you know, don't ask because I'm not going to tell you. Okay.
1: Wow, so you're, you're kind of, you're, you've you got a little double standard going on. You're actually trying to be honorable and respectful of Toby Toby's news yes. by doing things that he would do, but you're actually saying he's pretty unprofessional by telling the, the listeners what his sources are.
2: Well, isn't that why we all love Toby?
1: Because he's unprofessional?
2: Yes. <laughs> well, lay it on us, Logan. I'm God. ready. All right, so my first story is... Uh, well, I'll just I'll introduce it a little bit. Uh, are you guys looking forward to all of the nostalgic uh, Christmas television commercials that yes. we'll be seeing here pretty soon? Yeah, yes. Man. Well, too bad, because there are no more Clydesdales on the Budweiser commercials. Oh. Uh, due to the fact that Budweiser is uh, declining severely... Uh, uh, here's a number. It's declined from nearly 50 million barrels at their peak in 1988 to only 16 million barrels of beer made last year. Wow! They're not going to bring out the Clydesdales because they're trying to get into that peak market of 21 to 27 year olds, otherwise known as millennials.
0: Wow! So the oh. so Budweiser's taking a dive.
2: Budweiser is taking a big time dive. Uh, but it's also due to the rise of light beers, mm-hmm. uh, like, its, like its own Bud Light. Bud Light has now surpassed Budweiser. Uh, oh, I Budweiser. see. So
0: you're talking about Bud Heavy when you say Budweiser, not all of anheuser beers. I'm Bush's talking about beers. the
2: king of beers. Yeah. Well, uh, Bud, yeah. Bud Light has overtaken as the number one selling beer as of 2001. Well, that's good Gors news Light's for
0: Anheuser-Busch at least then. Still Bud Light is well, no,
2: good. Wait a second. It is no longer number one. Coors no. Light took over that crown in 2011.
0: Well, you know, there, I have a lot of really strong thoughts on this. First of all, I love light beer. Secondly, I love Bud Light. Bud Light is my favorite beer. It is the beer that if I could only have one beer forever, that's what it would be. Oh, and I hate uh, it. now I love uh, craft beers and IPAs and stuff, and I, I typically drink those at home, but on tour, I like to drink Bud Light, and there was a simpler time. I've had I've had the same problem that you're discussing right now because there was a simpler time when on our tour bus, all we needed was a couple of cases of Bud Light, and everybody was happy. And this was 2006, 2007, 2008. It was the golden hey, Matt, age. Matt, what um,
2: is this news with Matt?
0: No, I'm just re- Toby gives a story, and then I reflect on a little bit, and then Joey says something dumb, and we move on.
2: Hey, well, let me ask you again: Is this news with Matt?
0: No, it's not news, but then I'm, I'm I react to the mouth. news.
2: You shut your damn mouth. I'm talking. Oh,
1: damn. Logan's a little... Logan just got frustrated.
0: Okay, well, go ahead and finish your Bud story, and then let me do my response.
2: I appreciate letting me finish. Can I finish?
1: Go ahead. Can I finish? Can I talk?
2: Yep, that's what I was going for. Thanks, Joey.
1: You're welcome. Uh, Mm
2: -hmm. So, believe it or not, 44% of 21 to 27-year-old drinkers have never even tried Budweiser. So, yeah, they are looking to update their image. Uh... February Super Bowl ads will not be featuring something like Fleetwood Mac. It's going to be a little less baseball and a little bit more raves. Mm. So, Matt, let's hear your thoughts.
0: Okay, so back to what I was saying, there was the golden age in 2006, 2007, 2008, where all Emory needed was a bus full, a couple of cases of, Bud Light, and everybody was happy. And then one by one, people defected. Dave starts talking about, "Well, you know what? I like Coors Light better now." And then Toby gets on this Miller train. So now, oh, yeah. when we go on tour, and I'm we used to celebrate, we used to celebrate Bud Light as you know something we could all rally behind or whatever. I still like it the best. And then now we have to stock our cooler with Miller. Coors, and Bud Light, and it's it's depressing, it's sad, it's a loss of an of a era, so Aww. it's too bad, but Budweiser itself I never really liked anyway, but I'm a big Bud Light fan, and I just want to say one thing to everybody out there, don't knock domestic light beer, the kind of, uh, think of it this way, we're Americans, that's what we're supposed to drink, if you went to Belgium and saw people drinking Stella, which is their native best-selling beer, then I think it is at least, then you would say, yeah, I'm in Belgium. I want to do what the Belgians do. If you went to Mexico and saw them drinking a Tecate on the beach, you go, yeah, I'm in Mexico. That's what I want to do. If you're American, you should be proud to like our leading brands of domestic beer. You don't have to be snobbier than that, people. Now, I love IPAs and craft beers as well.
2: I was actually with you until I started doing a little bit of research, and I have now defected. I no longer will drink the, I call them macro beers. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because they put a lot of really weird stuff in them. Like, for example, Pap's when I was in college, was by far my favorite beer. Uh, they put corn You're syrup, so hipster. Yeah, the whole micro thing. I mean, they're, they're fine to like for. them, but
0: they're too hip. To
2: no, I don't like micros either. I'll go Tecate or go. like imports. Uh, German beer. So yeah, imports. I'll go imports. All right, but, so fair yeah, enough. Yeah, they put, they put weird shit like corn syrup. Like every beer has a GMO. But High Life was always – that was my ultimate favorite. Yeah, that's a
0: cool one too. All right, let's do – let's get through so you can get through your stories so we don't have a ton right. of time.
2: All uh, right, number two, there is a controller that is in the works for video games that draws real blood every time you are shot in a video game. Bloods, what? Yeah, Bloodsport is the name of the device, and it draws real blood. It's, uh, it's currently in Kickstarter mode right now. If it's successful, it will raise the stakes in shooters forever. Hmm. And it's actually, it's designed to save a whole lot of lives in the process. Save lives? Yeah, it draws blood to give to blood banks across the country.
0: What is the method by which the blood is drawn?
2: Uh, There's a needle in your arm, and it is, uh, do you remember the controllers with the rumble packs? Yep. So it's the same technology, but they have just have rerouted the electrical signal, letting you know you've been hit and using it to turn on the blood collection system.
0: Wow. So it's not engineered to inflict pain on no. the user. It it's no. literally draws blood in some real-time proportion to what they could have theoretically lost from the game. So the person's no. donating uh, blood?
2: No. They're donating blood. It's, it is still just a prototype, but it measures how much blood is actually drawn. Mm-hmm. So it will not just take all of it. No, I blood. know,
0: but it's... it's, it's in. It tended to simulate like you got shot so now you're going to lose some blood now so as you get the more you get shot the more blood you will lose yeah that's interesting
2: yeah it's we'll see if it if it gets successful and i mean it this is not this is not going to be something that you can buy for your home use this is going to be used in places like video game tournaments so it's so it's monitored and so they know that the blood is clean
0: yeah i would hope so well thank you that's a good one logan you got any more
2: (laughs) yeah one last one Ah, uh, man fakes nine one one call to avoid traffic ticket. <laughs> police say that during the traffic stop, Jose Navarro Jr. called nine one one and falsely reported hearing eight gunshots. He also claimed that a man had been shot and was lying on the ground a few blocks away from where the police had stopped him. The idea was, the officers that pulled him over would have to leave the scene and respond to the more serious call.
0: Oh, so that's pretty close. So this is a very, very Toby-like story. Toby's yeah, obsessed definitely. with cops and cops getting pulled over and yep. lying and scamming and things like that. So all these stories have been, but this one particularly is right yep. up Toby's alley, except for you pronounce the ethnic person's name right was the problem I have so well, far. Well,
2: like I said, I, I am a d- true d- journalist. Do you want to try That's it again research. and
0: mispronounce the name?
2: Uh, okay. Uh, police said that during the traffic stop, Jose Navarro Jr., called 911 while he was hearing eight
0: gunshots. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so did it work?
2: Uh, it sort of worked. Um, while several officers did drive to the scene with their emergency lights on, not the police that stopped him. Hmm. They asked Navarro about the shooting and he admitted to, or I'm sorry, allegedly admitted to making it up to avoid getting the traffic tickets.
0: That's a really smart idea, but it theoretically could have worked. I don't know if he made that up or read it somewhere, but if there was no other officers in the scene, the officer behind him would be compelled to leave the scene to go three blocks away to, you know, right? Yeah.
2: He was arrested on many charges. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was arrested on charges including uh, felony charge for the made-up 911 call, illegal transportation of an open alcoholic container, Speeding, no seatbelt, driving without lights, and improper lane usage. So (laughs) this guy is screwed. He is currently held on $50,000 bail.
0: Mainly the felony thing is way, way, way worse. Now, that's only something you would do if it was like in a movie or you're trying to escape you know, like if yeah. you were already doing something that was worthy of a felony, like you had drugs in the car or you had a warrant out or something, it might be worth a shot, but not to avoid a speeding charge. But I, again, I'm giving a big amount of credit to Jose Navarro Jr. For, in, for innovation and ingenuity. I, yep. credit, I yep. credit him for that, and I, I ask that the judge would go lightly on his sentence for, for that it, reason.
2: It might be one of those cases like, boy, you really fucked up, Yeah, you did
0: but you did, you did a good job. You did. I'm not proud of what you did, but I'm proud of how you did it.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Is that it, Logan? That's it. News well, you Toby. did a good job, man. Did a good job. Joey, you uh, like that news segment? I thought it was just spot on, pretty much flawless. Wow. I've never heard anything like it. I mean, if, if this was something that like if Logan had his own news show or even his own podcast for news, uh, that would be where I would get my news. Sounds good. Um, it just doesn't seem like you can get anything could better get, than that. could get any better. Well, Logan, let me ask you this. Go for it. Uh, when you met up with us in Portland, you didn't invite your friends because you didn't want them... To be weirded out by like us talking about Christian stuff and everything called the Bad Christian Podcast. We were in Portland um, recording a live uh, episode. Are you going to tell your friends about your uh, big filling in for one of the mm-hmm. most famous Good news reporters of all time? Or are you going to tell them that you filled in for the famous Toby Morrell?
2: I think I'll probably selectively tell. Okay. You'll
1: tell
0: some people about your appearance on this show, but not everybody.
2: Yeah, there's not going to be a Facebook post or anything. Okay. Well, you know, I saw something even though I don't ever go on Twitter. I saw I still get emails about cuz I signed up to Twitter a long time ago. Some dude mentioned that my episode was his favorite.
0: Well, I yeah. enjoyed so that. So there was too.
2: clearly there was clearly demand to have me back on.
0: Well, yeah. you you're here. You've you've been featured you've been on, on three, three of them episodes. Now. So, yeah, I yeah. sure have. Now, the thing that we'll need from you before we can get out of here, because this episode could go as long as three or four hours, um, we're usually waiting on Toby to say something really funny, largely a joke at Joey, and then we we'll, we can all laugh, and then we can get out of here. So, I'm really nervous that we won't be able to end the episode.
2: Oh, shit. I but,
0: can't before, I'll let you think about that for a minute, and I'm going to tell people about the BC Club while we're here. The BC Club... Matt, I, I need to uh, get a charger real quick. Okay. I'll let you have a minute there to think about a zinger to get out of here with Logan. But I'm going to, in the meantime, talk about the BC Club. So the BC Club is a group of monthly supporters that make it possible for Bad Christian to exist. The supporters have the opportunity to earn perks, and such as free digital content, future album releases, stuff like that. Even Bad Christian t-shirts and things, physical stuff like that. So, um the reason we do this is because we give our content away for free as much as possible. We give away a lot of music. We give away all of our podcasts. We just gave away an ebook called "The M Word," which is real stories from women about sex, addiction, ma- masturbation, and porn. And the way that we fund all this stuff is we people contribute. People pay what they think it's worth. So we're just hoping maybe five percent of the people that listen to this podcast would join the BC Club. And that will help us pay for our expenses. There's a ton of more stuff that we want to do. We really believe in what we're doing. And we know that you do too. And thank you for supporting in all the ways that you do. This is just one more way that you can do it. If you go to badchristian.com forward slash contribute, then you will see the perks there listed and what levels you can join at, et cetera. Think of it like NPR or anything else where we're just putting it out there. And we are asking people to pay what they think it is worth. It's not a charity and it's not a church donation or anything like that. But it is you paying for the goods that you use. We think $7 a month would be great. You could sponsor the you know, news with Toby or the science with Matt. Whatever it is, we'll read your name on the podcast. There's a bunch of other stuff you could get on there. But seriously, we're asking you guys, unapologetically at this point, support us. Help us do more. We'd like to put out more podcasts. We'd like to put out more episodes. We'd like to do video. There's a million more things we'd like to do if we had more time and money. So let's do it together. That's the B.C. Club, badchristian.com, forward slash contribute.
2: Hey, Joe, are you back? Yes. Uh, Do you know how I can tell?
1: You keep saying I'm breathing into the microphone. I'm not.
2: Maybe it's one or two of your chins breathing.